Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Gary Chevalier. I love that little tune, right? You're just like... Well, welcome back to week number two of our series, E for Effort. Now, if you missed last week, it is available online or on the Parkway Fellowship app. You can go back and catch it. Last week, we talked about Romans 14, 19 and God's command to make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. And really, that's what it means to be an encourager in the world today. Today, we're going to look at the second of the nine commands in the New Testament where God says, make every effort to. And that's found in Ephesians 4, chapter 3. Let's read that together. Ephesians 4, well, verse 3, it, it says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, take your pen on your message notes and underline unity of the Spirit because that's what we're talking about today, unity in the body of Christ. Now, unity is a tricky thing. It is extremely strong, but it is frighteningly fragile. It's easy to start with, very difficult to finish with. It sounds really simple, but it's hard to maintain. Many of us believe we have it, and we don't, or we don't know that we have it, so we take it for granted, and then we lose it. But unity is strength. Unity is cohesiveness. Unity is the entire body working together to be stronger than they are individually. Now, Something you guys may or may not know about me is I'm a musician. Something else you may or may not know about me is I love musical theater. And this past Tuesday night, my wife and I got to fulfill a very long-term goal of taking our daughters to go see Wicked at the Hobby Center. There's a pic of us hanging out in the lobby waiting for it to start. Aren't we cute? Well, I'm here to tell you it was an amazing show. If you've never gone to see Wicked, you need to. It's wonderful. The writing is so clever. But more, more than the writing, more than the beautiful music, as someone who appreciates musical theater and has done musical theater, I've done Les Miserables and Guys and Dolls and The King and I and Oklahoma. I've done some of these shows. There's so much more to a show like that than just the singers and the orchestra. I mean, yeah, they got to work together. But there's the other roles that have to happen, like the stage manager, managing everything that comes on and off the stage, and the stage crew that works with them. The lighting engineer setting up the lights so you can see the right people at the right time, and the spotlight operators. You've got the riggers who make sure that people are able to come in and go out through the ceiling and that curtains go where they're supposed to go. The costume managers, the backstage. There's so much that has to work together in tandem to create the illusion of the world that you're watching on, on the stage. It all has to work in perfect unity. And if it doesn't, if any one of those parts is off, the illusion of what you see on stage is ruined. And the production goes, it all has to work in unity. And another place that we see that is on the sports field. All right? If anyone's ever been a part of a team, you know how important unity is to a team. I remember this movie back in 2000 when it came out, Remember the Titans. 
All right, it was set in 1971, Virginia. It's a high school that had just been integrated. And if you remember anything about American history, the white people and the African-American people did not exactly get along very well, especially in a southern state like Virginia. So when this school was integrated, there was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of racial tension. There was just a lot of conflict on that team. And they were doing very poorly until... Coach Boone woke them up one morning early at training camp and took them on a long, exhausting run. Let's watch what happens. Anybody know what this place is? This is Gettysburg. This is where they fought the Battle of Gettysburg. 50,000 men died right here on this field, fighting the same fight that we're still fighting amongst ourselves today. This green field right here, painted red, bubbling with the blood of young boys, smoke. hot lead pouring right through their bodies. Listen to their souls, man. They killed my brother with malice in my heart. Hatred destroyed my family. You listen. You take a lesson from the dead. If we don't come together right now on this hollow ground, we too will be destroyed. Just like they were. I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll learn to play this game like men. What a powerful statement. Take a lesson from the dead. And if we don't come together, we too will be destroyed. Well, that football team did come together. And if you watch the rest of the movie, they won the state football championship for Virginia. What made the difference? Unity. That's what made the difference. But unity doesn't come easy. It takes discipline, it takes work, it takes intentionality to put aside our differences, our different thoughts, our different opinions, our different methods, and work together as a team. And unity in the body of Christ is no different. A unified church has power. A unified church will see the hand of God move in amazing ways and be a part of God's plan for reaching a lost world. Many of us in this room have been a part of a church before that was not unified. I imagine there's a lot of us in this room that could tell a story of being attacked by another Christ follower, could tell a story of being a part of a church where the people didn't care about reaching people for Christ. They cared about what color the carpet was and where their pew was. Does that ring a bell with anybody? Or is that just, is that just me? 
But having been a part of those churches before, that leads us to ask the question, what can I do to be a unifier, not a divider? What can I do to be someone who brings unity and not division? I believe there are three distinct things that we can do. And the first one you'll find on your message notes today, fill in this blank, is to downplay differences. Downplay differences. Now our culture, our society is huge on differences right now. Everywhere you look, every time you turn on the news, it's all about differences. And there's always some new law being enacted to protect this difference or that difference. And yes, it is true, God created our world and he created each of us uniquely. And we're all different to some degree and we should celebrate those differences and there's a lot of good in that. But we can't let the tail wag the dog because our strength comes not from differences, it comes from our unity, putting our focus on what we have in common. That's one of the reasons I love the Olympics. They're going to be starting in a few weeks. And the Olympics are great because for a couple weeks out of the year, every two years, our country comes together. Other countries come together. And we celebrate the spirit of joy and friendly competition. And everybody cheers for their country. They're unified. And it doesn't matter your race or your ethnicity, Republican or Democrat, early bird or night owl, pecan or pecan, none of those differences matter. We're Americans. And lots of you in this room aren't Americans. I've met people from Nigeria, from South Africa, from Mexico, Brazil. I've even met some people from Louisiana. <laughs> Wherever you're from, whatever your country is, you put on your nation's flag and you are all in. This is us. That's what makes us strong. Not our individual differences. And as Christ followers, we have unity in the body of Christ. We have unity in who God has called us to be and what he has called us to do. Look at what Paul says in chapter 4. It's that scripture we just read, verse 3, but we're going to keep reading. And what I want you to do is take your pen and your message notes. Every time you see the word one, underline it. Every time you see the word all, circle it. He says this, verse 3. Make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one, underline that, body, and one Spirit, just as you were called to one, underline it again, hope, when you were called. One Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God. Did you get all those underlines? The Father of all. Circle that all. Who is over all. Through all and in all. One last time. Unity comes from one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father. And every Christ follower can unite under that because he is the Father of all, over all, through all, and in all. And Paul says it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And again, underline one, circle all. He says this, verse 12. Just as a body, the one, get that underlined, has many parts, but all, circle that, its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, 
whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all, circle again, given the one spirit to drink, so that the body is not made up of one part, but many. Look at all those underlines and circles. Do you think unity is important? Yeah, it's all over the Bible. And we look different, act different, think different, and talk different, and all of that is true. But we all blend together seamlessly into the body of Christ. Now, we unify as the body of Christ, but we also now unify as a body of believers here at Parkway Fellowship. We unify under God's call, but then we together unify under the mission of to reach the lost at any cost and grow them to maturity. All right, say that with me. To reach the lost at any cost and grow them to maturity. That is the mission statement of Parkway Fellowship. That's the reason that we do a membership class once a month. So that we, anyone who thinks they may want to be a member of Parkway Fellowship or anyone who thinks they are a member of Parkway Fellowship, we want you to come to that class to learn everything about our church so we can plainly lay out who we are and what we're about. Bless you. See, we're about blessing people. That's, that's what we do. But we want you to learn all of that and our prayer is that it resonates with the spirit of Christ in you and who God has called you to be so that you'll want to become a sold out, all in member of Parkway Fellowship. Now you may have been coming here for years. You could be involved in a small group. Your kids are in kids' men and student ministry. You could be serving somewhere. But if you've never gone to this class, then you've only got the ball to the five-yard line. You haven't quite pushed it in for a touchdown yet. So today I have a one-time offer for you. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Today, we have a membership class this afternoon at 1 o'clock after our last worship service. And typically, we ask for a week uh, for you to register so we can prepare. But we took a leap of faith, and we have ordered extra food, and we have arranged for extra child care. So if you have not taken the membership class and you desire to, today is your day. You don't have to sign up. All you have to do is show up. We've got food and child care taken care of. Lunch begins at 12.30. Class is from 1 to 3. If you've never taken the step to become a member of Parkway Fellowship, what's your hesitation? Go all in and be part of the body of Christ here at Parkway Fellowship. Now, the second thing, the second discipline that we can instill in our lives, number two, it's your second fill-in on your message notes, is I need to rid myself of selfishness. Now, selfishness will kill unity faster than anything else. And honestly, it's easy to be selfish. Which of you had to teach your kid how to grab something out of another kid's hand and go, mine? Anyone? Anybody have to teach their kid how to lie to get out of trouble? Nobody? Of, of course not. It's built in. It's ingrained in there. We naturally do that. At our core, we seek the best for ourselves. But you see, selfishness kills unity and the body of Christ. And we cannot get rid of selfishness on our own. It can only happen when Jesus 
lives in us and works through us. And if you're here today and you have never taken the step to ask Jesus into your life to follow him, I want to encourage you, make today that day. Because Jesus came to earth, lived a perfect sinless life to pay the penalty for our sin, for the things that we've done wrong, so that we have Jesus under whom we, the body of Christ, can unify. Now, on the back of your message notes at the bottom is a sample prayer that you can pray to get you started following Christ. If you have never done that, today is your day. I encourage you, make that step. There's a new believer packet located at each exit when you leave. Or if you have questions, I'll be in the lobby. Or you can find somebody with a Parkway Fellowship volunteer badge on. Come talk to us. We would love to share a story with you of how Jesus changed our life and how he can change your life as well. Now, as we just read in 1 Corinthians, Paul calls the body of Christ a body. He talks about how we're all together and everything functions independently, but it works together like a body that has cells and organs and organs, and systems, and appendages, everything working together in tandem for the benefit of the whole body. Selfishness inside the body doesn't exist. I mean, can you imagine if selfishness existed inside the body? If like a cell, a skin cell said, you know what? I'm tired of being a pliable barrier to protect the body from disease and with retained moisture. I don't want to do that anymore. So that Stell starts off on a journey on his own, and he finds friends, and they link arms, and they're walking together, forging a new path against the impressive environment that they live in. That sounds like the plot to the next Disney movie, right? But it's not. We actually call that cancer. Because cells that stop contributing to the good of the body, start to destroy the body from within. And the only, the only solution to cancer is to get it out. I mean, that's what we do when we find out we have cancer. Nobody says, I got cancer? Well, that's just the way I am. Or nobody goes, so I've only got cancer in the lungs, right? Well, that's only one part of me. The rest of me seems to be doing okay. I guess that's fine. That's not a big deal. Nobody says that. We spend millions of dollars in agonizing treatments trying to get rid of cancer. But so many people let selfishness in their life unchecked. And it takes over their hearts and minds. And just like cancer, selfishness will destroy you. And it will destroy the body of Christ. That's why Paul says in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Now, Americans, we're generally pretty horrible at that, aren't we? Looking to the interests of others. Seeking others' benefit above our own? It's not typically the American way. My older brother works for a company that used to be employee-owned. And I never heard of that before. And he told me basically it, it works like this. Every employee is required to buy stock in the company. 
As a condition of employment, you buy stock in the company. As the company grows, as profits grow, your profit grows. Sounds like a pretty good system. I mean, that would promote longevity. It would promote hard work if everyone mutually benefited from the company. And then as you got ready to retire, you just sold your shares back into the company and the company kept going. And that worked for well over 50 years until one year ago. My brother told me that the executives that were in charge at that point decided that selling the shares back into the company wasn't good enough for them. So they sought a corporate buyout from a, a competitor. And basically, they made more money from the corporate buyout than they would have selling their shares back to the company. So they did that. So the company is now no longer employee-owned. It is owned by the other company. And though my brother was one of the lucky ones who kept his job in the merger, a lot of people didn't. And now that the economy has done what it's doing, every jo everybody's job is in jeopardy. But the guys who sold out, who did what was good for them, not good for the company, they're doing okay. Does that make you angry? Is there anything inside you that just goes, that's not right. They shouldn't do that. But how often is that you? Maybe on a little less grand of a scale than destroying the foundation of a company. But maybe, maybe something else. Maybe, maybe you're the guy that leaves your trash in the movie theater for someone else to come clean up. Maybe you're in a hurry and don't want to wait. So you zip into the parking spot that someone else has obviously been waiting on. Are you the one that sits down at dinner and pulls out your cell phone and doesn't talk to your family because you're too busy on your phone? Are you the person that goes to a, a small group meeting or some sort of social engagement and you don't talk to the new person, you just hang out with the people that, that you know that you're comfortable with? All of those things are driven by self. It's not looking outside ourselves. So it may mean that you don't get the type of, to eat the type of food you want to that night. It may mean that you have to walk 50 extra steps for a different parking spot. It may mean that you have to pass on the Texans tickets so that uh, your wife can have the scrapbooking stuff that she needs or wants. It may mean that you give up a week of your vacation to go on a mission trip or a youth camp. It may mean that you come to church an hour early to serve in the kids' men or in the student ministry or usher or to put donuts in cups. Because I'm here to tell you those donuts don't jump in the cups by themselves. <laughs> 72 dozen every Sunday morning get put in cups by someone who's willing to serve. What about you? Are you willing to serve other people and put their needs above yours. Final discipline that we need to keep the unity of the Spirit in the body of Christ is this. Number three, keep short accounts. Now the phrase keep short accounts comes from a leadership book named Axiom. I highly recommend it. It is one of the best leadership books I've read. 
And keep short accounts means that you must be proactive in the resolution of potential conflicts. Now, many people don't like to say, I'm sorry. They don't even like to think that something that they have done could have been wrong or could have hurt someone else. Keeping short accounts means you recognize when something you said or something you did might have offended someone. And then, like the Bible says, you go to that person and check on them. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Now take your pen and underline, leave your gift there. First, go and be reconciled to your brother, and then come offer your gift. See, God cares about our relationships and he wants us to care too and part of caring is recognizing when something that we've said or we've done whether intentional or not and usually it's unintentional but when something that we've said or done has offended someone else and keeping short accounts means you go to that person and find out so for instance this last week uh, Chris Sedgwick the student pastor and I had a very animated aggressive discussion about something theological in nature that we just could not come to an agreement on. And we went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth till we realized we were not going to come to an agreement, and we parted. Went back to my office, started working on something, and a few minutes later, Chris was in my office, and he said, hey, I just want to check and make sure, are we okay? Because I know it got a little tense back there, and I just want to make sure that I didn't say anything that offended you. Now, we're still getting to know each other. I'm still in month five here at Parkway Fellowship. But I'm here to tell you, I enjoy a good argument. I really do. And as long as nothing is said that's disparaging or mean-spirited or condescending, we can disagree all day long. And that's just more challenge for me. But Chris, who's still trying to get to know me, wanted to make sure that I was okay. That speaks volumes. Because he wanted to make sure, he feels completely justified in what he believes, but he wanted to make sure that, that I that was okay, that my feelings were not hurt. Because keeping short accounts is really all about this. That I need to seek forgiveness when I know I have or when I might have hurt someone. It's your last feeling of the day. I need to seek forgiveness when I know I have or when I might have hurt someone. Now, just a quick disclaimer on this. Some of you out there have big hurts caused by abuse, caused by abandonment. Some of these big hurts, keeping short accounts is not exactly how it works. Hey, I'm sorry if I, you know, if I, I, I neglected you for the last 20 years. That's not something that just gets forgiven in a moment. So keeping short accounts is about the normal, everyday, something I said or did might have hurt you uh, kind of accounts. But along those lines, and in that spirit, let me tell you that I will never intentionally say anything mean to you. I will never intentionally ignore you. I will never intentionally disrespect, demean, or degrade any of you. Though I am completely aware that something that I say or do sometime, or maybe something that I don't say or do, 
might come across as offensive to you. And if, that, if I think I've done it, I'm going to hunt you down and say, hey, are we okay? But if I don't, it means that I didn't notice it, but I promise you it was unintentional, so come to me and let me know. It will make me a better person if I understand that how I phrase things or maybe a look I have on my face that comes across offensively. Listen, there is great power in unity. As the body of Christ, God can use us to accomplish great things when we are unified, but we must see outside of ourselves. We must think in a bigger picture than just our everyday moments. Focus on what brings us together and unifies us, not what makes us different. Those are the things that bring unity. Instituting these disciplines in your life of downplaying differences, of ridding ourselves of selfishness and keeping short accounts, that is how we are going to maintain unity and be the most effective church for Jesus Christ that we can. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you, God, that you have run the theme of unity throughout the Bible so clearly, God, that it's impossible for us to miss. God, I thank you that you have called us to demonstrate unity to your world, to demonstrate being selfless to your world. God, thank you for showing us the path and sending Jesus so that we can know what that life looks like. God, I thank you for the forgiveness that he offers. God, I pray that you will help us to be selfless, help us to be forgiving just as Jesus was. God, so that you can use us, use your church to reach people for your name. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.